Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. This is a series where we're going to talk about stress less, stressing less, getting rid of stress in our lives. And stress, we're going to find out today, will impact us greatly in every single area of our life. It has great, great impact. Uh, it can change our behavior. It can hurt and affect us physically. And last year, right around this time, just a year ago, uh, my mom and dad had their 60th wedding anniversary. So Gina and I hosted the party at our house, and um, she worked really hard. I was helping out. She's cooking. I had to go to work that day, so I came to the office, and I worked. And then I had to run all these crazy errands. So I'm going to pick up balloons and going to pick up this and that. And my last stop, which was like just two hours before the party, I drove a good distance and went to this Italian deli. And I'm going to get all these cookies, imported cookies, and all kind of imported things I know my mom and dad would like. So I'm rushing through the store and grabbing things. Then I had to go to the bulk deli area, you know, the five-gallon uh, drums of olives. And they had about 20 different kinds of olives and an eggplant and oil and all those things. And I'm waiting. Finally, a lady comes and and she's just in a bad mood. And, and I'm like stressed out to the max because I'm running like crazy. So she's in this bad mood, and it's like I'm interrupting her. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you worked here. So, so um, I thought this is why you were here. So she's barking at me. She's mean. She's nasty. And I'm, I'm just being a good Christian. I made it through, man. I walked away with a smile. And then I pushed racked and grabbed a couple more things then i come to the register and it it literally had this side that was all it had for all the products and and uh so the girl begins to ring me out she's not nice at all neither it's like i'm bothering her too and and she's not only ringing out my items and i had a bunch i think i spent 180 bucks in there and if i remember correctly but she's piling up these Italian cookies, and they're piling up, and they look like they're going to tumble, and I see right on that counter are plastic bags, and I decide I'm going to help her and bag some of these, so I, um, I go to grab a bag, and, and I pull off at least 20 of them, and they fall everywhere, <laughs> so then she looks at me and starts to scream at me, saying, you're making a mess. Leave my bags alone, and she's not being sarcastic because we can all tell. No, she's yelling at me, so then something happened to me, and I had a victory. Here's the victory. I didn't cuss. So can everybody say, yay, Pastor Joe, hey. I did lose it a little bit, though. So I just, it just came out of me. I looked at her and said, what are you, the bag Nazi? And, and uh, then I, <laughs> this is terrible. I know, I know. So then I said, I said, you have this little counter. You're piling all these things up. They're ready to tumble. I said, you should have put them in some bags and emptied this out. I said, you weren't doing it. I thought I'd help you. I can't help your dumb bags stick together. And, and so she, her eyes are like this now. I've, I saw that in my kids a few times raising them. And, and, and she's like nervous, and, and, and she doesn't know what to do. And so then I realized, oh, no. I'm glad she doesn't know who I am because uh, that would be really bad. But I tried to get out of it. I tried. I tried. I cracked jokes. I apologized. I tried everything. And it just didn't, it didn't work. And I walked out of that store so discouraged and disgusted with myself. 
because we can always control ourselves no matter what. But here's what I, I walked away understanding. When you're super stressed out, you lose control in, in a lot of areas, and it impacts you and I in a lot of areas. And all of us could probably stand up and talk about a day when we were so stressed out we did something like that. And that's what this series is about. It's all about helping you and I manage stress. And we live in a country that is conducive to high levels of stress and continuous stress. It's just part of our culture. So I'm going to do my best to help us understand how to handle that. Let's make sure we all understand what stress is. Here's just a simple definition of stress. It's a temporary state of mental, emotional, or physical pressure and unrest caused by a multitude of outside sources. So you heard my outside sources. A crazy day having to get home and, and grouchy people. And so... Uh, so that, that, that caused just incredible stress and so on and so forth. Now, overstress, this is a big problem. It's an extended state of mental, emotional, or physical pressure and unrest caused by a multitude of outside sources. Now, all of us will have stressful days. All of us will have a stressful season. Um, you know, if, if, if you're having a child get married, especially if it's the girl and you're planning the wedding, um, that's a stressful time in life. Um, there are always some stressful things. Some of you have some things going on with your you know, loved ones and hospitals, whatever. We're going to have seasons like that. But there are people in America that are living under constant stress and they don't understand how to free themselves from it. I thought this stat was, was incredible. Americans who say they're under constant stress, 77% of us. And it's happening with Christians, the same as non-Christians. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, great day to be here because uh, we're going to just find out some wisdom that goes way back uh, to the Bible to try to help ourselves understand this thing called stress. Now, I thought it would be good and helpful because this really changed my behavior. Researching this series changed my behavior, and I'll, I'll tell you when, when we get there. But I thought it would be good just to make all of us aware of how important it is that we make a decision to deal with stress so first, I just want to show you what's called the short-term, first, psychological symptoms. These are symptoms that come out when you're under stress. Irritability or anger, thus the bag Nazi. Okay, uh, feeling nervous, 45% of people. And these won't add up to 100 because um, you can have more than one. Uh, lack of energy, 45% of people say they deal with that. Uh, feel like crying, 35%. You know, men, some of you tell me, I've never cried before, but... I'm, I've been crying lately. Am I going through menopause? And No, it's stress, okay? So you're, you're okay. All right, here we go. Short-term physical symptoms people experience. So here, uh, fatigue, 51% of people. Headaches, 44% of people. Stress will do these things. Upset stomach, 34% of people. Muscle tension, 30%. Change in appetite, 23. Teeth grinding, 17% of people. Uh, change in sex drive, 15%. And feeling dizzy, 13%. Now, these are just short-term things, and, and when you have a couple of stress days in a row, you might start to see some of these things come out. But let's talk about the long-term now, and I want to make a statement. I'll talk about long-term effects. These are recent studies, and they're by the most legitimate research organizations on the planet. So these are accurate stats. And for some of you that are like me, I believe God heals, and I, I believe he's the healer, and I believe healing was paid for in the atonement, that Jesus took stripes on his back. I believe that, but I think for guys like us to believe that, we have to also understand 
that if we defy these laws that God set up, we're going to get in trouble. And can we all agree that if you grab the hammer, I don't care if you believe God heals or not, and you hit your thumb as hard as you could hit it, or someone else did, can we all agree that our thumbs are going to need some kind of treatment and it's going to hurt really bad? Now, God could help heal it quicker. Thank God he can do that. But you break some laws and you're going to have some problems. So I don't want you to tune me out saying, oh no, God, I'm healed. This can't happen to me. Listen, I buried too many people that believe they're healed, but they defied laws that really, really hurt them. So this is important for you to understand. Take a look at some of these. 75% of all doctor's office visits are for stress-related ailments. Mayo Clinic, that's a pretty serious place. And the reason that is, is it, it destroys your immune system. It, it weakens it and destroys it. So that's why, and that's the next thing, destroys and weakens your immune system. Carnegie Mellon, just these are all 2012, 2011 studies. Uh, increased risk of all chronic diseases, Pennsylvania State, Penn State. Um, fuels cancer growth, right, Wake Forest University study. Raises stroke risk, the Journal of Neurology, Neuro, Neurosurgery, and, and Psychiatry, really huge, prestigious organization, and it actually causes strokes. Uh, listen to this, 27% higher risk of heart attack, same effect as smoking cigarette, five cigarettes a day. That's amazing. I had some, somebody joke with me last night. They said, well, if I can get rid of the stress, I can start smoking again. And, and uh, I said, it's still bad for you, so, so stay away from that. Uh, damages from stress can pass on to your children through birth. This is new research, and it really uh, makes it much more serious if we're having kids. And then this one really scared me. It shrinks the size of your brain, Yale University. I'm like, I need all the brain I've got. So that's an, one good reason not to mess with this. And then a 50% higher chance of emotional disorder, according to the Mayo Clinic studies that are, that are new. And can we all agree these are just serious problems? And this is what happens when we're under constant stress. And it's a reason why, I just want you to take it serious. Now remember I said I changed the life, lifestyle thing? Researching for this, I, I, I went and bought a gym membership so I could use a treadmill and start to exercise because I hadn't been doing it for a while. And, and, and I changed my diet around. I thought, this is serious stuff. But exercise is really good for you, and it's not just to get a six-pack, you know. For you young people, it's not just to pick up the, the, the boy or the girl. Um, listen to this, how 30 minutes of brisk exercise relieves stress and anxiety. This is fascinating research. Um, it burns away the damaging chemicals released when you're under stress. Those are cortisol and norepinephrine. Now, these are the two chemicals that destroy your immune system. God had, gave you a system that fights off all these problems that we deal with. So if you're under constant stress, your body's being soaked with these chemicals, and these chemicals are literally, they're disarming your immune system and eventually destroying it. And that's what happens with stress. So exercise burns those off. That's pretty cool. Uh, it releases stress-fighting chemicals, uh, endorphins, which give you that high, um, dopamine and serotonin. And these are the guys that burn up the bad guys, and they just get them out of your system. And then it clears the mind, allowing a fresh approach to perplexing and stressful problems. So exercise is good to incorporate into your life. And if you don't learn what we're going to teach today, it will help, but it's, you're still going to have some problems. So here's what's going to happen over the next three weeks. Today, 
we're going to talk about creating a stressless lifestyle. And then in lesson two, creating a stressless marriage. We're going to have a blast next week uh, doing that. And lesson three, creating stressless finances. Do you know the number one reason for stress in people's lives is finances? So we'll, we'll take a look uh, at that. And I thought it would be good to just talk about it, help all of us out. But today's all about our lifestyle. And here's what I want you to walk out never forgetting. It's really, really simple. You have to do less to be stressless. And, and, a, and a, with a crowd this size, I think we just probably, probably only have a handful of lazy people. Um, and my word to you is get a job and, and, and work and be productive. But there's so few of you in here. Uh, what I noticed is people overdo it and they overpack their schedules. And that's what today's about. You have to do less to stress less. And I want to talk about less daily activity. And, and uh, we need to talk about this. So I have taught on stress in the past. And I've always dealt with mainly the emotional side. If you worry all the time, that causes stress. So I talk about, you know, cast your cares on the Lord and, and give it to God and trust that God's working behind the scenes. I'm not going to touch that in this particular series, although I have touched it before. So it's available if you want to go pick those lessons up. But the problem that I notice, and, and I've been pastoring the same church for 30 years, is people are just packing too much into their life, and they don't know that some things have to be cut out. You have to say no to some things. Your body was designed to rest. It was designed to be paced at a certain pace, and if we overdo it, we burn ourselves out, and it causes all this damage that we talked about. And you know what else it does, which I don't want you to suffer? It takes away the quality of life. Life was meant to be enjoyed. And sometimes, if you're on a crazy pace, uh, you don't enjoy life as much. And, and we, we need to learn to, to enjoy life and take it at a different pace. Now, I stand before you as a guy that works about 50 hours a week. So I'm not saying don't work. Um, I, I'm, I'm stressless, and, and I pace, and I have space. Uh, so I've just learned what to allow and what not to allow. And that's, that's what we want to talk about. So I, I have found you have to understand mandatory activities, or we could say priorities. These are the things that God says we should be doing. And whenever God tells us to do something, it's for our own good. It, he, God doesn't say do something to make your life miserable. He, he says it because he knows it will benefit you and bless you down the road. And so we want to make sure we understand this. And as you look at the Bible, it, it gives you priorities. So I'm going to talk about the Bible's top priority list because you're going to have to make some decisions, many of you in this room, to cut some things out of your life. And you want to make sure it's not the things that are top priority. These things are, need to be in your life. They'll bless your life. But then you have to look at your life and say, what can I cut back on? And this country will give you so many things to do, your head will spin. And so you have, you have to make decisions on what will we do, what won't we do. For those of you that have young children, this is a great place, a great lesson for you to be in. Uh, I'll, I'll help you because I stand before you not just as a Bible teacher. I'm 54. I raised four kids. I have four grown kids, two grandchildren. I lived this. And what I'm teaching you today, I understood before I had kids. I had studied it out. 
And then I did it, and it works. So I, I'm just standing before you as somebody that really loves you, and I'm concerned about you, and I just want to help you grow. You have to make the decisions, but here's what I figure. I can at least show you the principles, and then you can decide which way you want to go because none of us want somebody to get in our face and tell us we have to do something a certain way. I always appreciate a minister that just says, hey, here's what the Bible says. <laughs> make your decision. You know, you, you need to make it. And, and if you make the right one, it changes everything. So here's Bible priorities. God, your mate, and if you're not married, you just keep going to the next one. Children, work, family, and friends, and then taking a day off. And before I researched for this, I didn't used to throw this one in, but I saw how important it is, so I, I, I threw it in, and, and we'll talk about it as we get down to that place. Now, when you say God is a priority, that, that's going to be different with everybody here in how you interpret that. So I want to try to help you understand it. Um, we know that Jesus said the number one commandment in the Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, every part of your being. So that's the number one commandment. The most important thing is always to put God first. So if I tell you that, uh, all of us can say, yeah, I do that. And, and yet there's no standard to, to check and make sure you do. So I'm going to try to help give you some standards so you can make sure you're not deceiving yourself, uh, that, that you are putting God first. So when you put God first, there's certain things you do. And one is you make sure you read your Bibles. And you don't, you don't read your Bible because you want brownie points and you have to or God won't be happy with you. It's spiritual food. You, spiritually, you will starve and you will not grow if you don't spend some time in the Bible. So you, you, have, to, you have to say, I've got to make a time, whether it's a couple times a week or every day, I've got to make this time where I do some Bible reading or I listen to uh, some extra teaching. But I have to have the Bible as something I'm feeding myself with. And then prayer is really important. And you don't pray for brownie points again. Prayer is the vehicle that releases God to move. So he's encouraged you to pray because he wants to become active in your life and in the life of people you know. So those are priorities, and I think all of us can agree on, on that. We have to feed ourselves and spiritually, and we have to make sure we're doing some spiritual exercises. That's part of putting God first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he said everything else God will begin to add to your life. And so there's a seeking first God's kingdom. And God's kingdom on earth is displayed through local churches. And in order for you and I to put God first, we have to hook up with a local church, whether it's here or somewhere else. That's between you and God. But you have to connect in a church. And that means you have to go to church. Uh, you have to attend church on a regular basis. You know, when I started Believers in the 80s and 90s, on any given weekend, the stats for America were 60% of your people were in church on every, any given weekend. So 40% missed on any given weekend. And uh, obviously there's that core of a couple hundred. They're always here unless something's going on in their life. And then you have an, another outer core that rotates. And so you kind of have the same numbers every week, but there's, there's a rotation. And it used to take four weeks to get everybody into church one time. So that's why pastors teach in series, because if you just do one lesson... 40% of your people wouldn't have heard it back then. Now, the stat today is on any given weekend, 40% of your people are in church and 60 are missing. Our culture has gotten so busy that, that a larger amount of people are missing church on any given weekend. Why is that important? There's a growth that happens in corporate worship. 
There's a growth that happens when you sit under your pastor. I know you could listen to someone else, and that's good and healthy, and that's extra. But there's something about being connected in a church and getting involved. And if you're going to put God first, this is all I want to say, man. You've got to make church a priority. And for some of you, you're new, so I know you'll grow in that. God will get a hold of you. For some of you, you've been around forever, and maybe you're discouraged. Maybe something happened, and you're kind of, you know, walking away. There's a few of you in here, you burn out in church, so you're like, I burn out in my last church, or I burn out here, and, and, and I just gave too much to church. You, you can overdo it, too, so there has to be that balance. But church has to become something that you really make a priority in your life. And so if, if church is a priority, can, can we all agree? There might be a few other things you say, I can't do that because I have to get to church, or we'll do that another time. And there's always that weekend when you get away, or a uh, family event, or, you know, some, one thing. But on a consistent basis, you're, you're making a decision, I'm going to put God first. So that becomes this priority. I've done that my entire Christian walk. Before I was a pastor, I did that. And I want to tell you, man, it has blessed me like you can't believe because God grows you when you hook up with a church so uh, it's absolutely important then then there's your mate we'll talk about that next week that has to be a priority but since I'm dealing with it in a whole entire lesson I won't say any more but then there's your children and I want to take a little time with this because I have noticed lots of Christians not all but lots of Christians in America they turn their kids into an idol and, and, and they put their kids ahead of God. They put their kids ahead of church. And, and that is a huge mistake. Because I raised four kids. So I, I, I mean, I, my kids are all very functional. They love God. They're, they're good kids. They're solid, emotionally solid, spiritually solid. But we made them put God first. And there were times when we had to choose from one thing or another and had to make some decisions. So I want to try to help you out. Because we live in a culture that will keep you so busy with your kids that it will absolutely wear you out. It will give you no time whatsoever. And I watch parents, and I want to cry for them. I think, you don't have to do this. We didn't do this. We, we, we cut some things out. We gave our kids some boundaries. Said, you can do this, but you can't do that. So uh, rather than tell you what to do, I thought I'd teach you a principle, then you can make the decisions. It's, it's that simple. I, I can always make a decision on principles. So here's a cool scripture, Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train a child in the way he should go, and even when old, he will not swerve from it. And this is from the Jewish Bible, so it's an incredible translation of the Hebrew text. Uh, now, notice the latter part. Even when old, they will not swerve from it. In other words, there's something we can do with them when they're young that they'll keep doing it even all the way up to old age. When they leave your nest, they'll keep doing it. They'll keep doing it. So it has to do with this training thing. And notice what it says, train a child in the way he or she should go. Now that's important. You and I decide, I'll explain training in a minute, but we decide what do we want them to be like as adults. And then when we decide what we want that to be, we train them that way. Now every one of you in this room, I don't care if you're not a Christian, I don't care if you're a new Christian, I don't care if you're young parents, first-time parents, Every one of you in this room are training your kids. You do it because training, we're going to find out, just simply is the routines of life you put them through, the routines they live. So we're all training them. The question is the way they should go. <laughs> what do you want them to end up being like? Because whatever you train them in now, when they leave your house, that's who they'll be. 
And uh, so there's some just natural things we want to make sure they get, but there's also spiritual things we want to make sure they get. So let's talk about the word training. Uh, the Hebrew word means to permeate, infuse, saturate, impregnate. And listen to this. Hebrew words paint pictures. It paints the picture of a piece of cloth being soaked in a dye until every fiber is saturated with the new color. And if you were to take a white piece of cloth, put it into a red dye, and whatever amount of time you have to leave it in there, I don't know what that time is, that dye will go into every single fiber. So if you cut that cloth in half and you look at the inner, inside, every fiber, you put it under a microscope, every fiber will be red. And that's what this verse is saying. If we learn how to train our kids, we can literally make this part of their DNA, their very deep core values and fibers. And let me just help you with this word a little more. It carries the thought of repetitive actions that cause a lifestyle to become part of the very fibers of a child. It happens through the daily routines of life. The question is, what dye are you permeating into their fibers? So whatever you're putting them through, that's, that's what they're going to be when they get old. So I'll, I'll get back to that. I want to tell you a story. Um, I recently paid a former Navy SEAL. This guy's a retired Navy SEAL up in Cleveland. He has a business where he trains law enforcement officers, trains them how to shoot their guns. And I wanted to learn how to shoot my handgun a little better, a little more accurately. I wanted to learn more about it so I could be safe. And, and uh, so I paid this guy extra. I paid him money to train me. And so he has me on the shooting range, and he's training me. And the first thing he did with me is he had me hold my handgun like this, and my trigger finger's straight. It's on the outside of the gun. And so he's walking me through this. So he gives me a command, and I go like this. And, and, and then he tells me, uh, put, put, put your finger on the trigger. Just touch it. So then I did that. Then he says, aim. So then I aim. Then he says, fire. And I fire. Then he says, back. And I come back. Then he, I have to go like this. And this. And he had me do it over and over, over and over. And he told me I have to practice it once a week and, and, and just do it once a week, even if I'm not on the range, practice it. And, 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 and I said, what's with this? You know, and he, he said, well, someone broke in your home and you're defending yourself. He said, you want, he said, you don't want to bring your gun down like this. You don't want to do this. He says, you got to do this. And he says, if you don't practice this over and over, you, he, he told me you'll end up doing the wrong thing. But he said, you look this way and that way because... You want to make sure your wife or kids aren't going to run across. Uh, you want to make sure there's not another bad guy. And he says, every time you shoot, you have to do this. And, and then he made this statement. This is why I'm sharing the story. He said, you've heard people say, I'll rise to the occasion. He said, when you get in a crisis, it's proven. And that's why the seals practice this way. He said, it's proven you will not rise to the occasion. You will do what's in your muscle memory. You'll do what you have been trained to do repetitively. So they do all these repetitive things. And he says, if you don't practice this repetitively, he says, under pressure, you're going to make a mistake. But he says, if I can get you to do this repetitively, and he had me do it over and over and over and over again, and then he told me I have to practice it, he says, that will be in your muscle memory. And he said, that's what you'll do in a crisis. Now, that's the same thing the Scripture's saying to us. Getting something in the, in the memory, in the very fibers of our kids. So all of us are training our kids. So here's the question you want to ask. What's the way you want them to go? That's the big question. I mean, what way do you want them to go? And you have to ask yourself that. So, uh, for instance, if, if, if sports are more important than church or activities, dancing, whatever, if that's more important than church, 
and you're going to miss church over and over, not just one time for a special event, but over and over and over again, and you're going to tell them youth group or student group, now, that's not as important as school activities and extracurricular things at school. If, if, if that's the way you want them to go when they leave your house, they will not go to church. They're going to do other things. And you have to ask yourself the question, what do I want them to grow up and be? Now, for some of us that raised our kids, not me, but some of you, you weren't even a Christian or you didn't understand this, we can always pray and ask God to get a hold of their hearts and so on and so forth. But what I'm trying to teach is this, guys. If you're raising kids now or you have grandkids, get them the CDs, the DVDs. Tell their parents to listen to these, this lesson. Uh, why, why mess it up? Why, why not train them so they end up being that particular way? So we did that with our kids. And I remember um, Gina was uh, uh, on her own because I had to be here preaching. So on Sundays... We had four kids in five and a half years, so that's crazy. Um, and and uh, she would get them all to church. She'd get them to church every weekend. And, and in order to do that, she had to do other, not do other things. And I remember when our kids were in school, I said, guys, they were doing a bunch of things. And I said, after a while, I just said, guys, uh, I need a couple nights a week where I just sit at home and crash. I, I, gotta, I gotta have some crash time. You need some crash time. And I said, we're not running you everywhere in the world. That's taken away from our family and our quality and so on and so forth. So I said, pick a sport, guys. Pick your favorite sport. And, 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 and I'll let you play it. But you're going to be in church, and, and you're going to leave practice early when church is going on. You're going to be in church, guys. And every one of my kids, and their PKs, pastors, kids, the highest percentage of them walk away from God as soon as they can. And my kids want to be here. Can you imagine that? They, they love church. And they want to be in church. And they, they could leave town. They don't want to leave town. They just want to be here. And, and, and that has to do with training. So just ask yourself, which way do they want to go? Amen? Say, I love Pastor Joe. He's awesome. Okay, <laughs> Let, let's go back to our priorities, all right? Uh, then there's work, and it's like, you know, I'm going to talk more about work when I talk about a day off, so I'm going to just connect them. And then there's family and friends, guys, and we should all nurture those relationships. I believe that's priority. The people are priority in relationships. So then what we did with our life is we said, you know, what don't we have time for? Because we're going to make sure we do these particular things. And our kids grew up balanced. We grew up sane. We weren't insane. We were sane. We had a life. And, and we weren't stressed out. So let's talk about this day off thing, because this is really important. Uh, and, and I'm going to try to help you understand what I mean, because most of you have a day off from work, but are you taking a day off? See, that, that's another question. And so there's this thing called the Sabbath principle. I call it Sabbath principle. And in the Bible, when Israel came out of slavery in Egypt, 400 years, slaves, they worked 24-7. They worked like dogs. They didn't have any rest. Remember, Moses was the leader God used. Then God gave him these 10 commandments. They're really famous and the fourth one was to keep the Sabbath holy. And, 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 and it's really cool because commandment number one includes take a day off. It's really amazing. So part of the Sabbath is, is you know, dedicating time once a week to God. So we do that when we come to church. That's part of the Sabbath principle. Even though we're not under law, that's part of the principle. The other part of the Sabbath was they were not allowed to work. So the Sabbath to this day, the Sabbath begins on Friday at sundown. 
and it ends on Saturday at sundown. It, it was at least a 24-hour period, sometimes a little more, depending on what time of the year. But it, it was from sundown to sundown. And do you know on the Sabbath, they weren't allowed to work? Uh, they couldn't go more than a half mile's walk from their house. And God just wanted them to rest. Why, why would he give them a day off and tell them, take a day off and, and rest? Because God knows that our bodies need to shut down and they need to rest and our batteries need to be filled back up. So Jesus was, he was in this grain field, a uh, wheat field, and it was the Sabbath and him and his disciples are hungry. So they grabbed some of the kernel grains of, of wheat and they popped them in their mouth, kind of like we would with a bag of nuts. And the religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they scolded Jesus and they said, you're not allowed to harvest on the Sabbath and you're harvesting. And how many of us can agree that religious people can be crazy with, they just misinterpret the Bible. Was Jesus harvesting or was he eating? I, I think he was eating. Wouldn't harvesting be cut down the whole field and pull it into the barn kind of thing? And, and, uh, but Jesus made a comment, and I love this comment. Listen to what he said. He said this, Mark 2, 27 and 8. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And I think this phrase is so incredible. It's, a, it's really the reason the Bible was written. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. God doesn't tell us to take a day off and have a Sabbath to ruin our life. He knows you need it in order to maintain health and mental well-being. And so that's why he says these types of things for us. And I love what Jesus did. Check this out, guys. Th this is over in uh, Mark 6, 31. It says, Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. And Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And that, that Greek word rest is anaupau, and it means to refill or to recharge. And uh, resting does part of that. So, Here's where I want to try my best to help you. Uh, again, I, I, I average about 50 hours a week, so I'm not a sluggard, I'm not lazy. I work, I, I really work. But, but, but I religiously take Mondays off. That's my day off. So here's some things I'll do on Monday and some things I won't do on Monday. I will not look at my church emails on Monday. I might look at private email, you know, see what my friend said or something. But uh, I can look at emails on my iPhone. I can look at emails on my iPad. I can look at emails on my laptop. I can look at an email anywhere in the world if I want to. But on Mondays, I will not open my, my church email. I do not want one emotional drain of energy. As much as I love what I do, I do not want any emotional drain. And I tell the leaders here, I say, don't call me unless someone dies and it's an emergency. We can talk about it on Tuesday. They can email me because I'll never look, but don't text me because I don't even want to read a text about church on Monday. That's my day off. And I, I've made it so that I've done this my entire ministry. I always take Mondays off. Now, I have all these pastor friends around the country. We all kind of started at the same time. We've been buddies for years. I had so many of my friends. It makes me so upset. They, they, they've they've developed what's called adrenal failure. It's an awful, terrible thing. Their adrenal glands become depleted. 
and it takes anywhere from six months to a year to refill them because the refill is like a drip and it takes forever for it to refill. And uh, once you get it, you're, you're not able to function. So this one friend, and doctors have a hard time diagnosing it. They diagnose it, uh, you know, by figuring out what it isn't. They just keep deducting what it's not and they figure out what it is. And uh, my one friend had this severe pain all over his body. It shows up in different ways, but at night he would cry himself to sleep from the pain. And he eventually found out he had adrenal failure. One guy was jogging and uh, he had a total collapse of everything, memory. Uh, he, he came to a census and he was sitting on a curb crying, not even knowing who he was. And, and, and this is what happens if we're under stress. Pastors can be under a lot of stress. These are guys that just say, I don't need a day off, and they just go at it. And I'm just telling you that we saw the physical effects, and these guys end up not only ruining their bodies, they have what's called adrenal failure. Some of them can't preach for six months. They just, they have to get someone else to do all the preaching. They just have to sit and recharge for that amount of time. So I religiously take Mondays off for a reason. Then I try to have at least one night a week where I'm not out, I'm not running to a connect group, I'm not running around, and I just crash. And all of us have different things that fill our batteries or recharge us, so you have to find out what that is. I'll give, can I give you a couple examples? Uh, Gina, if my wife counsels somebody, uh, if she did five counseling sessions in a row, five hours worth, she would come out of there with a smile on her face, energized. If I did five counseling sessions, I would come out of there not able to talk. And it's not that I didn't enjoy the people. It drains me to do that sort of thing. There are some things that drain us, some things that fill us up. And on a day off, you want to say, what are some things that just charge my battery? And those are the things you want to make sure you do. And part of it is rest. So usually after a weekend like this, um, you know, I'm up early on Saturday. I'm up early on Sunday. It takes a lot to stand up and preach and prepare and then do it. And then I love talking to people in the lobbies, but by the time I'm finished, I'm drained. So, you know, I'll go home, watch some football, but one of my favorite things to recharge my battery is to watch a movie where someone's getting shot. And uh, <laughs> that recharges my battery. Not gory, bloody, but, you know, some action. And uh, that charges my battery. And I feel so good when that's all said and done. And then I love sci-fi because my whole life is a reality show. So I hate reality shows because I'm dealing with that every day. So um, I love sci-fi, fantasy, something that's not true. That charges my battery. Everybody's different in this place. But you ask yourself, what charges my battery? But here's how I'm going to conclude. You ready? You have to make space in your schedule. And only you can decide what that is. I gave you the foundations. So now you have to make some space and you have to ask yourself, if I'm stressed out with my schedule, if it's like that intro video, what isn't mandatory that I can begin to say, I'm going to cut this little part out, I'm going to cut that little part out, whatever it might be. So we're going to pray. You guys ready? Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And I'm sure God spoke to a few of you while I was talking. If you needed it, he said some things to you. But now this is the time of dedication for a moment before God. And just all I want you to do as, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed is um, if you're really stressed out and you say, God, I, I, I don't disagree with this. Um, 
show me what I can do. Would you just sincerely pray to God? Or if you're here and say, I don't agree with Pastor Joe, just tell God, I don't agree with Pastor Joe. Nice guy, I like his shirt, but I don't agree with him. And just say, God, show me if I'm wrong or if he's wrong. Just tell God, show me. I want to know the truth. It, be sincere in that way with God. And, and uh, if you're hearing God's dealt with you, make some commitments to him. Say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to back off in this area or that area. I, I'm going to make some changes. And sometimes we go through a season where we can't, but say, God, help me get out of this season quickly so that I can get back to where I need to be. So I'm allowing you right now to have that moment with God because that's important. Lord, and as they do that, I pray for all the parents here. Help them. I remember, that's, that's busy life, man. Lord, help them make the right decisions. And I know for some scholarships there are possibilities and all those things. Help them make the right choices, Lord. Now, guys, I want to pray with some of you right now. You ready? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just, just hook up with me if you don't need this. But maybe you were sitting here and you said, you know what, I already raised my kids and I wish I knew this, but I didn't. Maybe you weren't even a Christian or maybe you were, but you didn't know it. And you say, man, I trained them and I put things in their fiber that they walked away from God, Pastor Joe. They're not serving God. You know what, God can always get through to all of us. The idea of this lesson is let's not set it up so he has to. But can I pray with you right now? If that's you, would you just... Whisper those names up to God. Let them know, hey, my kids, whatever. Lord, I come into agreement with every person that's praying right now, and, and I ask you to penetrate the hearts and have a heart change in any of their kids that aren't walking with God. And I thank you for doing that in every life. And Lord, for those of us that are here that are still raising our kids, flood us with wisdom for these dear kids, Lord. Ask us... Help us to decide the way we want them to go so we know how to arrange their life and their schedule, Lord. Can we just stay in that attitude of prayer for one more moment? You know, maybe you're here and you're not sure of your forever, your eternity. And that's what I love about Jesus. He changed my life when I was 19. That's when I met him personally. And it has to become personal for all of us. So understand, I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm just asking you the most important part uh, question in the Bible. This is the number one question in the Bible, and, and it's real simple. What are you going to do with Jesus? Because that determines your forever. It determines your eternity. So the Bible teaches us that all of us are sin-stained because of what Adam and Eve did, so we're separated from God. That's why God sent his son. It's a cool story. Jesus died on that cross and took the sins of the entire world upon him. And not only did he do that, he was buried. The enemy thought he won, and then Jesus broke loose out of that grave, and he's alive. And he said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. So that's the moment we're having right now. If you're here and you say, I can't remember a time, a place, a day where I prayed and called on the name of the Lord, but you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready to do that today. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus said, if you call on my name, I'll save you. Then once you accept him, then you make a decision to follow him and find out what he said in the Bible and just begin to live that lifestyle. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I need to pray that prayer, would you pray it with me right now? Everyone else in the building, would you help them out? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, 
I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe what the Bible declares about you. I receive you as Savior, and I make you Lord of my life. I make a decision today to follow you. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.